Good afternoon. You are listening to the Grit and Grace Recovery Hour talk radio show that is being brought to you by the Rockdale County Stepping Up Initiative. You can continue listening to us on the CAT 10 ENT network by downloading the His Hop Radio app. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoy the show. Grace Recovery Hour. This is Bill and Tanisha, and we're coming to you once again. I know where some of you are at, it's morning. Where some of you are at, it's afternoon. So we're going to try to cover all those bases. Anyway, with that being said, it's Bill and Tanisha with the Grit and Grace Recovery Hour, and we really have a treat for you today. You know what they say, kiddies, if you can't run with the big dogs, you should stay on the porch. So that's why today we put the radio up on the porch and me and Tanisha are down in the grass with the big dogs. And they got a big message. They got big hopes. They got big possibilities. And they're getting ready to plug us into it. It doesn't get any better than that. But I would be remiss if I got off to the cosmos without saying, first and foremost, we want to shout out to the Stepping Up Initiative which is our major sponsor, the Stepping Up Initiative, which is a national initiative, but has been adopted here in Rockdale County that's designed to reduce the number of people in jails that have mental health or substance use challenges. And that is spearheaded by our fearless leader, Commissioner Doreen Williams. Shout out to Commissioner Williams because it's her vision, it's her drive that has got us sitting on this platform. And for that, we are grateful. Tanisha, you want to say hi to the people out there in Radio Land before we introduce our esteemed guests? Of course I do. Good afternoon, everyone out in Radio Land. We are very grateful to come back before you again another week. This is an awesome opportunity that we have here with our community partners today. Yes, and with that being said, without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, with us today, we got Chad Jones, and Pej McDavid from Viewpoint Health. These are the guys that steer the ship, man. These guys have their finger on the pulse of our community and it's pulsing. These are the guys that when I sit down and talk to them, and I have a lot of conversation with them, when I talk to them, they, oh man, they renew my, my optimism. If you've ever needed to get your optimism renewed and you don't know where to go, well, I'm, I hope you're here with us today because you're going to find out where I find my source or one of my sources for optimism. Anyway, with that being said, I'm going to ask you guys to introduce yourself and your title and, and what you do. And I'm going to start off with you, Chad. Well, thank you so much. I want to give a shout out also to y'all and doing the program. I've heard great things and I'm so glad that y'all are doing this to get the message out. Thank you uh, both uh, Tanisha, you and Bill and also to Commissioner Williams. I, I think uh, as you said, Bill, so, so well that uh, without that support, you know, who, where would we be? You know, so you, that's a great support in the whole Stepping Up initiative. So I want to echo your shout out on that. Hey man, they always say in Radio Land is uh, they always say out there in the entertainment world that you always end on a high note. And after that introduction you gave us, I may want to just close out right now and just, <laughs> and just end on a high note. But uh, so you you had me thinking, man, I want to talk to this Chad Page guy. Who are these guys? No, right. So uh, so yeah, thank you again for the invite. This is exciting. My name is Chad Jones. I am currently the vice president of business development at Viewpoint Health, uh, which just means. Uh, that I write a lot of grants and a lot of proposals. So uh, I, I just submitted, um, uh, since February 1st, this morning, I just submitted uh, number 12. <laughs> so we've been busy, we've been busy writing a lot of grants and proposals. So we're stay, staying busy at it. Got a few more we need to knock out in, in uh, the next few days and we'll get it, we'll get it done. But uh, in, a, in working in that business development space, also have an opportunity and the privilege of overseeing all of our prevention and early intervention work and also our intensive services. Uh, intensive services is Bill, where you and I have come to know each other and, and appreciate each other is through that work. That's everything from our accountability courts to everything we're doing in Stepping Up Initiative to, to what Page is doing in his intensive world, um, to our sort of community treatment, all those teams that you see out in the community running around and doing a lot of housing. We've got a lot of housing programs. 
So well, we're excited about that. We're excited what we've done and what we've got yet to do. Um, but that's that's what I've been doing uh, lately at Viewpoint Health, and I've been I've been at Viewpoint Health for eighteen years. Wow! As of yesterday, wow. as of yesterday, wow. I started <laughs> April first, two thousand and three, y'all. So I've been here uh, eighteen years and a day. Woo. Eighteen years and a day. <laughs> man, 2003, man. I was still out there in the dark, dude. So, man, <laughs> yeah. congratulations. Man. I'm glad you're here. And, Pez, you want to introduce yourself to the people out there at Radio Land and tell them what you do, man? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. My name is uh, Pej Mahdavi, and I am the director of our Intensive Outpatient Services, which is one of the many service lines uh, that reports to Chad. And what we do is uh, exactly what the name is. We are the service provider for folks who need a higher level of care, who just, who the outpatient, the traditional outpatient treatment doesn't cut it. They need a little bit of extra love, a little bit of extra attention. So that's what we do. We give that extra love and, and, and attention. Uh, the other part that I oversee is our, are our partnerships with the various community agencies in the Gwinnett, Rockdale, and Newton counties. These are partnerships with law enforcement, with Conyers PD, uh, with Rockdale Sheriff, with the Gwinnett Police and Gwinnett Sheriff, with different shelters uh, like Rainbow Village in, in Duluth, uh, the Rainbow Community Center in, in Covington, uh, Home First Gwinnett, Gwinnett Technical College, and there's a bunch of other partners that we have that also uh, report to me, and uh, I try to, to work out a little bit of something with them. Uh, so that's me in a nutshell. And wow, man, that's a big nutshell, man. And, and you know, <laughs> speaking of nutshells, I want to ask you guys another question because you told us what you do, and, and that is a very intellectual and very cerebral thing. And for all the people out there that are concrete, man, I'm sure we just fed the right side of their brain. I want to ask you guys another question. It's a little more personal, but that's since we got you roped off. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do we, yeah. we come out with that personal questions so with that being said Chad I want to ask you this I heard what you do can you tell me why you do yeah that's a fantastic question and uh, since I'm roped off and can't go anywhere I guess I'll take a stab at it right <laughs> um so yeah so the why is and this is something Bill not only that I live by but it's something that that we talk to our teams all the time about especially people that are onboarding with us I give them this little call it a nickel and dime speech here, but I always say, look, anybody, especially in our country, anybody can get it. You can get a job. I mean, that's and a job's a job. And if you go to somebody and say, hey, where do you see yourself five, 10 years in that job? You can turn that job into a career. If you had a little vision, you know, you put a little pepper sauce on that vision, you can make it into a career. That's fine too. The thing is with us, our, we, ha we have such passion about it that it really gets to a level of a calling. We really believe, and Pedge feels the same way, we believe that we're called to this. Like, there ain't nothing else we could do. And so when you're driven from a, from a, a space of, of being called into it, it really does become our ministry. It really does become uh, not only our, our, our scope of work, but our hearts in it. And I hope that our heart and passion for this reflects in everything that we do and say. Whether it be the language that we use, that's important. And how we lay out the program. I tell people all the time, language and, and layout, how you lay stuff out in your language is really the, the key to, to our work. Um, and that that started years ago. I told y'all I've been here 18 years. That's probably started 17 years ago. I remember exactly where I was at. And a family member came up to me and said, hey, y'all keep saying case manager and caseload. I just want you to know, she's talking to me in the parking lot. It was a, a bill is a parking lot of, a of the Pizza Hut in Covington. We were in the parking lot. And she said, uh, I just want you to know, I understand those terms. I use those terms, but it, but it matters to me. I'm not a case. I'm a mom. And I said, you know what? From that point out, uh, we don't use case management. And we don't say caseload. We talk about partnering with individuals in their recovery. We call it a partnership, not a caseload. And uh, we don't use uh, we don't use terms like case manager. We, we call them care coordinators. If anybody's in that role, we call them care coordinators. We don't use terms like compliance, you know. We don't say, hey, we don't grade people on their level of compliance or they're not compliant because people don't fail. Plans fail. You got to change the plan. You got to look at the plan. People, it's not the people problem. It could be a plan problem. Uh, so language, and then the layout. Uh, you heard Paige talk about all these partnerships. We're not sitting in the office waiting for somebody to get a business card and go see this guy over here with a business card. 
Sometimes that works, but hey, we all know that sometimes you get handed a business card. Somebody said, "Hey, go talk to this guy over here at this office." They, they, it'll never happen. They don't. They not. It won't show up. And then next thing you know, now you're talking in terms of that compliance all over again. So what we did uh, years ago is take that and change that layout. Is we're going to go to the people instead of the people coming to us. We're going to go to them. And so those partnerships have grown. We've grown it in the school system. We started several years ago with four schools doing some of this embedded work. Y'all, we're up to 31 schools now. We had three clinicians in four schools. We have 28 clinicians now in 31 schools. You heard what Pat said with his partnerships. We're embedded all over the place. So it's it's changing the way you do business of taking the work to the person that needs it instead of telling the person that needs it, go find the work. So it really, that's what it is. Uh, so really, for me to answer your question, I feel it's a calling. That calling has driven us to change our language and look at uh, laying out our programs in a different way. Well, thank you so much for saying that. And thank you for your transparency. So, Pidge, I'm going to pose the same question to you. What is your why, Pidge? Uh, it's very, very similar, if not exactly the same <laughs> as, as Chad. This, I truly, in my heart, believe that this is my calling. I, I feel as if I was created and put onto this earth to serve humanity to the best of my ability. And I think this is, this is that. Uh, Kobe Bryant was put here to play basketball. Same with LeBron James, same with Michael Jordan. I think I was put here to serve. Yes. Uh, and that, that's my why. That's why I'm here. And, and I think I've found an amazing home and viewpoint to be able to uh, live out that, uh, that why. Wow, man. Ellen, thank you for saying that. And, and, you know, one of the things that make us feel so warm and fuzzy when you guys are around is because, you know, in the recovery-oriented system of care, and, and we talk about this and in the work I've done with Dr. D and the work that I've done with all these different agencies and entities and all of those things, that's what we talk about. That's what our druthers is. This is how we are similar. And when this is how we are similar, my God, man, you know, and, and so for me and Tanisha, we call it an assignment, <laughs> which, <laughs> which maybe has a little more directive to it. But maybe that's because we were a little more resistant to getting it, right? So, so we kind of call it an assignment and you know who the teacher is for us. So um, I just want to thank you guys for saying that, you know, I, I'm just I'm just in awe. And that's why I say this is where I feel my optimism. What a privilege it is. And, and I know that you guys were talking about some of the innovation that you're using with programming and, and you know, some of those other things. So can you guys kind of tell the people out there, Radio Land, how do they connect? Let's just say, for instance, I'm Joe Blow and I'm out there. I don't have any money. I don't have any benefits. I don't have any really support. How do I get connected with Viewpoint? How does that happen? Yeah, so uh, that's a fantastic question. That's probably the, one of the uh, biggest and busiest questions that we get all the time. Hey, how do I get over to this, this, this? We try to make it as easy access as we can, and we do it in two ways. Number one, there is no wrong door. So we have a clinic that's over there on 977 Taylor Street, right behind uh, the senior center and, and the DFACS building over there. Somebody can walk in there. You walk in between eight and two and knock on the door, say, here, I'm here, I'm walking in. That's fine. We do walk-ins. If that is, if that's the preference, some folks would rather, you know, communicate directly uh, and work out things directly through, through mobile, through electronic discussion. And they say, I, I don't want to walk in wherever I like to like to call somebody. So uh, you do that. Our, um, our number is 678-209-2411. Uh, we did the 2411 on purpose when we designed that number because it's got the 411 in it uh, to be like an inf like information line. So somebody wants to do that. And then uh, probably the fastest way that people get us outside of those traditional measures is if people say, well, I need some care. Well, the easiest thing we can do for you is we created an email called CARE. It's care at vphealth.org. VP, obviously, for Viewport. You email care at vphealth.org, you're going to get about five, six people behind that email that are going to look through it, see what you need. And everybody uh, behind that email, everybody's lined up to a specific duty that they follow. And we can, we can enroll you. Uh, into some type of service or, and talk about some type of service, whether it be from housing all the way to everything Pez just talked about. Uh, I mean, Bill, we doing, we're doing autism services. I mean, it could be a little bit of everything. So uh, uh, we, tried to, we tried to streamline it that way to say, okay, we got a whole team to sit behind that email. Just holler at us through care. Or 
there's no wrong door. We don't kick you back to that server. If you if you walk in or call, you can do that too. So uh, we're trying to take the no wrong door approach into access to, to care and then uh, obviously trying to streamline that. Okay. Wow, that is super. We would like to thank our leader, Commissioner Dr. Doreen Williams, the Rockdale County Sheriff's Office, along with other numerous partners and stakeholders that are taking the initiative to create change for the Rockdale County recovery community. We know that it takes all parts of a community to carry out this vision and together we are stronger. You know, and, and so just in, in Scenarioville, the other day that I was, you know, taking a nap, which rarely I get a chance to take a nap, because when you work with Tanisha, she frowns upon you taking naps, right? But anyway, the other day I was trying to take a nap. It was about six o'clock, seven o'clock in the evening. I got a call from a young lady who was in crisis, and she obviously had got my number, and I had done some walk-up with her before. So she told all these people who were there talking to her, I want to talk to Bill. And so anyway, I went and I sat down and I talked with her. And she said, the other day, I felt like I wanted to take my own life. She said, but today, I don't feel that bad, but I still feel bad. And I think I need some help. I don't have insurance. What should I do? And I know what I said, but since we got the big dogs in the room, Chad, when somebody's in that position, what should they do? And I know the Georgia Crisis Access Hotline, but what what does Viewpoint, because I know you guys have some some real emergency crisis management-oriented things that I'm not sure a lot of people know about. So tell me from Viewpoint perspective, what would be the deal, Chad? Yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I think I was just about to say uh, you talked about our crisis hotline that we run and that kind of our own version of a mobile response team. Pej actually heads that up uh, and does yes. a lot of that. So, so I was actually going to take your question and say, I'll put it to Pej because whatever I say, that he's probably going to have to correct it anyway. <laughs> so so, so <laughs> yeah, I'll, let, I'll, let, I'll let Pej take that with you. Yeah. <laughs> So if somebody comes to us and says they don't have insurance, they don't have means and all that kind of stuff, what would we do? What would I say? Honestly, I would say, I don't care if you don't have insurance, come on by anyway. We got your back. Uh, One of the unique things about Viewpoint Health is that we are able to provide services to everybody and, and, and anybody regardless of, for the most part, their insurance. The only challenges that we have with insurance sometimes is private insurance. Some of the unique ones can be barriers. But even with that, we try to work out getting folks linked. So really no insurance at times, to be honest with you, it's almost easier. Yes. I can I can just ask you a few questions about your, your situation and, and, and get you linked as soon as possible. Okay. And, and so for that, that ultimate crisis situation where the declaration has passed, but the, the crisis needs still exist, what do we have? Do we have partial hospitalization program? Do or what? What do we have? So, you know, we we start with wherever the individual is. You know, whatever that individual needs and is willing to do. If that individual okay. needs to go to a hospital, and sometimes that's just where you're at. Mm-hmm. You need to go to the hospital so you don't have to worry about any of the other things, and you need to be watched, and you need to just kind of have that immediate support. If, if that's what you need, then that's what we will help you get. Uh, we do have stabilization units that provide services to adults, uh, children, and individuals that are on the autism spectrum. Uh, so we have a direct link. Uh, we do have many great partnerships with hospitals in the metro Atlanta area. So if we need to do that, we can get you into one of those hospitals. And then from then on, we'll kind of just go from, you know, what's the highest level of care and knock them out to see which one works out best for you. Maybe, maybe you don't need it to go to a hospital but you need extra love. So if you need a little extra love, then, then, you know, my team will get together and everybody will check in with you, you know, once a day, twice a day, whatever it needs. If you need to get, you know, if you need to see a doctor, then that's what we'll do. One of the blessings that came with this pandemic is it's freed up Zoom and it's kind of forced us to use this telehealth technology uh, to provide services. So that allows us to really get to folks quicker and address those crises. You know, I believe in face-to-face and human contact and just having those 
individuals be in that same presence to feel each other's energy. But if you're in a crisis and you need to make something happen right away, this is something new that we've been forced into and it's really benefited in these situations. Uh, so yeah, we got everything from hospitalization to, like I mentioned earlier, the traditional outpatient clinic. Wherever you are in your little range of needs, we will put you in that place. Wow, man, that is so super, man. And so, Chad, I know you mentioned a lot of acronyms and a lot of things. So if you could put those in the chat, Tanisha will convert those to language and we'll make sure that we get that stuff into our newsletters and into all those other avenues that we're pumping information out to the to the world because that, that's what she does. <laughs> She's the outlet. With that being said, I know that you got talked about a partnership that you have with law enforcement. And, and so I think it's really important that we kind of talk to the people out there in radio land, because as we know, these are interesting times. These are trying times socially in our community. So can you guys give us a little understanding about what that partnership means in terms of reducing risk, creating public safety, and kind of your commitment to bringing a solution to a thing that a lot of people only talk about as a problem? Yeah, um, we're really proud of all the partnerships going on in law enforcement. And it, it actually goes back several years. Probably, Bill and Tanisha, the best way I could describe it, we were talking with some folks earlier about this, not on a cool radio program like this or anything, just a regular, just a regular conversation. And uh, I got some really good feedback how I laid it out. So I'm going to try to do my best to repeat that because you know how it is. Sometimes you get talking, Bill, you and I will start talking and preaching and we'll forget, we'll forget what we said. So, uh, so I'll try to do my best to remember. But what I said was we started years ago was really the best that we knew. And that is we started doing a lot of stuff in the courts and we grew our accountability courts from two or three. We, we now, right now, we have 15 related accountability and court and court related programs, 15 of those and getting people at the core and working on that is great when it comes to getting folks into access to care, working with recidivism, saying, hey, I, I see you in the court. I hope I don't ever have to see you again. You know, once you complete the program, that's great. The thing is, uh, we started scratching our head going, well, we could do a little bit better than this because when you see somebody at the court, well, guess what? They already been charged. They already been in trouble. They already been through all that. So then we kind of said, okay, let's try to go back. Uh, let's go take a step closer to, to the action, if you will. To what it first happened. Then we started embedding people into jail. So we run a residential substance abuse program called RSAT at a Newton County jail. And then Pej has a clinician that we got embedded a year and a half ago in the Gwinnett jail. So doing a lot of great work in the jail, we did, we actually, Bill, we did some work in the Rockdale jail uh, for a long period of time under the Rockdale reentry initiative program called RIP. So we're doing all the work in the jail. And uh, working with folks, and some of those folks went to the court. Some of them didn't. They just went right into the care. And then we started saying, well, you know what? We might could even do better than this. Not that you get rid of them. I mean, look, we want the accountability courts. Please hear me correctly. We, we are glad the courts are growing. We want to be embedded in the jail and grow that. But at the same time, how can we get closer and closer to the front line? That's what we want to be. And that's really where we are today. We actually have clinicians that are embedded doing what we call a co-responder model. They are actually with officers and deputies driving around, getting a phone call saying, hey, I think we have a mental health issue, either meeting them there or going with them to really be on the front line of saying, okay, now look, we've got a mental health issue. Someone who needs mental health issue, has a mental health issue, needs mental health care and work, needs to work in that space with clinicians does not need handcuffs. So I am really pleased of that transformation that we have gone. So today, I'm pleased to announce with that co-responder model and everything that we're doing in the jails and everything we've got on the courts, we've kind of done a continuum of care. So yeah. we've kind of built a continuum of care that we're going to try to get a first responder. We're going to try to get the beginning. But if something happens, we'll catch you over here. And if something happens to that, you go to the court, well, we'll catch you over here. So we're trying to partner at all levels, but it's really been a, it's really been a great partnership to develop a, a full continuum of care. Well, I want to thank you for saying that one. Thank you for your creativity. Thank you for your innovation. And just to piggyback off of what you're saying, I know we're in communication with GBI because we are trying to recreate a situation that we had before where we actually have a three-person intensive case management team that has a family member, a person in recovery, and a clinician that partner with people coming. Initially, it was coming out of the hospitals. Now our second stage is coming out of the jails. And we're going to also 
sign a release so that those people's names can be enrolled into a program so that when they encounter law enforcement and their name is run through the terminal, we will automatically, the provider will automatically get a, re a response and we can respond to through dispatch and possibly get that person to the level of care they need or not to jail or at least bring to law enforcement the full complement of knowledge we have about that person. And they will already know that that person obviously has mental health challenges, so they don't have to have that margin for error. And I know it comes it does not come as a shocker to you that stepping up plan for partnership and implementing that, that is with guess who? Yay! Viewpoint Health. <laughs> yes, sir. So I, I just uh, you know I, I just really want to thank you guys for having your minds open, having your hearts open, having your eyes open, and you know, and, and just really just being part of that of the recovery of our communities, the recovery of our systems. I know that people sometimes get it twisted and think that only people need recovery. Well, I got a newsflash for our systems need recovery. Our That's governments right. need recovery. Right. A lot of things need recovery together. I think that the solution is a we thing, not a me thing. It is our extreme pleasure to have such strong community partners, such as Viewpoint Health, to join us in our journey to recovering individuals as well as systems and procedures. Viewpoint Health offers an array of services and resources for individuals with mental health challenges, substance use challenges, as well as intellectual and developmental disabilities. To connect with them, please visit their website at www.myviewpointhealth.org or you can call 678-209-2411. Anyway, with that being said, so oh, hello everybody out there Radio Land. This is Bill and Tanisha. We're here with Chad and Pez and we're, man, we're sharing information, not only information, but we're also sharing revelation. Don't get mad and don't hide behind the porch. I say that to say this, guys. I'm going to ask you because you guys are the cutting edge innovators for our community as far as services, mental health services, addictive disease services, and all those things. So tell me, if you were the king of the world... What is the next thing coming down the pipe? What is what is your vision, Chad? What is the thing that's missing from the from the uh, milieu? What what do you see next? That money, property, prestige, and personalities is the only thing that's keeping that from happening. I tell you what, um, that's a that's a fantastic question. I, I think for me, what I think we've seen get the biggest bang for the buck really is streamlining access. And so, you know, they always say, hey, if it don't, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And that co-responder model we're talking about is a way to streamline access, to get people at the front line, get access. We've done that in the homeless arena. We've, you know, we've done that in working directly with physical health care, primary care. So if I had the, you know, those powers, as you said, and, and we're able to say, okay, what's the next thing? It would probably be working in that space at all levels. I'm talking about child welfare. So I'm talking about where uh, we're embedded in child welfare. The minute something happens, uh, we're, we're not only doing just assessments, but we're, we're streamlining right into care for families and the kids. I'm talking about, we talk about homeless initiatives that we're doing. Well, that's great, but there's a lot of individuals that are homeless that, um, that stay at, at the parks. They live in parks. So streamlining access with the, rec with the recreation department that runs those parks. So, um, I mean, it take, it's, it's really not reinventing the wheel. It's just taking what we're doing and already embedding clinician and seeing that we're getting a lot of fruit from that. Man, we're getting a lot of fruit off the vine from that. But to expand that to the parks, Bill, it came up the other day. Somebody said something about uh, there was a particular city in, in uh, Gwinnett County that is having a higher in, increase of homelessness recently. And when we went all the way back down to where is it coming from, it was some other counties that were transported in and people were being picked up. And so they were being OR bonded, which is a quick turnaround bond. 
they were getting bonded out and then they were just sitting in homeless. So I threw out, I said, well, what if you had somebody like us there at the hearing, the first hearing? So when they got OR bonded, that bond was in contingent upon us providing some housing or doing some type of housing search, right? They're like, oh my God, we could do that now. Hey, Bill, Tanisha, that takes no money. That was no money idea that we could go in those court hearings at a first appearance for people getting OR bond and say, okay, now you got to get this assessment. They go to a housing search. Therefore, people are get some type of housing. It's taking those ideas of us going and streamlining and embedding ourselves into the community with all these partners. It's taking that to the next level, those first court appearances, that first appearance in the jail, because most courthouses, uh, most jails have courtrooms. Rockdale County does as well, has a courtroom in, inside the jail. Um, it's taking it to the rec department for the parks. It's taking the idea out to child welfare. It's just, it's just building on what we're doing, but getting more of it, to really be honest. Sounds like the theory of depreciative inquiry. Anyway, yeah. with that being said, uh, Pez, if you were the king of the world, uh, not only would you be a big time radio guest, but what what would it what would it look like, Pez? Tell us. If I was king of the world, what would it look like? Well, the Lakers would win the championship every year. I tell you that. Yay! <laughs> that. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that one in there. <laughs> um, I think. If I were to have my way, I think we would do a lot of things using our hearts rather than our pocketbooks and what's in it for me mentality. I think in, in a greater scale, you know, I, I think that's one of the things in this world that we're a little lacking. And that's, that's just me personally. <laughs> no, that's good stuff, Pish, because you came out of the clinic just then, Pish. Yes, sir. You had the people out there, they were doing the dance. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, Biz. You are not wrong to go there. But yes. I will say, if I step back into the clinics, if I was king of the world, what I would create is a one-stop shop for that individuals can go and receive service. That can spend the night if they want. They can cool off if they want. Um, a place where law enforcement can take folks that 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 need that immediate treatment that they don't want to take to jail. Uh, a place where we can take that person that's just kind of wander in the streets, you know, wow. get them a shower, get them a meal. Wow. You know, you know something, Pez, man, and, you know, I, I'm just so appreciative of you because, and this is why I say sitting with you guys, man, it's just sort of like me and Tanisha, we, like we talk to ourselves, you know, because that is the vision on our, um, on our big board, what we're looking at developing and we're just going through minutiae and red tape about leases, but we're looking at creating a restorative justice center out on 138 that actually will have a diversion center that does precisely what you're talking about. It'll have transitional beds that does precisely what you're talking about. And it'll have grit and grace, the RCO that does precisely what you're talking about. So understanding that that is what our project plan is, and that's what we're trying to develop. That might mean Tanisha that Pidge is actually the king of the world. And that also means <laughs> my Lakers will win. Yay! So yes, yes. With all that being said, man, things are looking up. And so I guess the natural segue for us being persons in long-term recovery, tell us what you have as far as recovery-oriented program. And don't get me wrong, I understand now that all of your programs are geared toward a recovery-oriented system of care with person first and all that. But I'm talking about persons with lived experience, and I'm talking about people coming to get that experience so they can also become persons with lived experience. Or the fact that you guys are getting ready to give me and Tanisha a job. <laughs> either one, either, however you want to wrap it up. Yeah, so, we can start We can start there if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Tanisha, start working on the contract. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right. I mean, so you are right at the at the macro level, working our working down then to what are we doing really to support the staff development and front lines. Uh, you are correct that we went through as a whole agency several years ago with the National Council for Behavioral Health to become trauma informed care agency. That was a whole year process. It was a great process. Uh, the year after that, that we worked with the DBHDD's Office of uh, Recovery Support and uh, went through another whole year process. We had six different work groups revamping everything from uh, how, how does it look when someone comes into the waiting room? I mean, we were revamping everything, all the stream. I told, I told you about streamlining earlier, streamlining processes. We took a, our intake packet just to come to the clinic. 
and 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 this is no joke. Y'all probably gonna be upset with me even saying this because like Chad, how could y'all let this happen with our intake pack was twenty three pages, y'all. That got streamlined down to three pages. And one of the pages you keep one of the pages is just the information sheet that you keep. So really it's really it's really two pages that you fill out. And uh one of the things that we added to the only thing that got added to that whole intake packet was we added a box that uh, we wrote, what can I do for you today? Today. We want you to leave with you felt something was accomplished today. Not that you got an appointment down the road a week from now, but what did we do today? So uh, all that process, everything of all that was uh, through something called recovery focused transformation. So we that was a fantastic experience. We still have some committees and teams. We call them teams, actually. We still have some recovery focused teams that go on today. Now, specifically taking that from that system wide down to the staff development. Um, yeah, I'm very pleased uh, to report that we, you know, obviously the state of Georgia has six different levels of peer uh, from whole health peers to forensic peer to, to uh, SA, substance abuse peers. And uh, so we employ all of those at Viewpoint Health. We work uh, either through being staff or contract staff. We obviously value our peers. We have changed a lot of formulas and processes around, really around peers being involved uh, specifically in engagement. And what I mean by that is we've got a couple programs that you can't even close somebody out that you hadn't seen in a while unless a peer turns that key too and says, okay, we can close them out because we want the peer to at least give it a, a shot and say, hey, look, let me go talk to, to, let me go talk to Bill, but we hadn't seen him in a while. Let me go try. Because as much as I'll run and try to create this, that, and other, I'll just be real honest with you. A client's going to relate better to a peer of trying to engage and they're going to talk to me. And so we have peers highly involved in the engagement process, uh, even so much so we've revamped some of those processes. You mentioned, Bill, about cultivating a climate of individuals being served and then being employed. We did that. The first one I've, I was involved in, I told you already, I've been here for 18 years as of yesterday. So the first one I was in, uh, involved in was a mom. And uh, she ended up, uh, help, we helped get her certification to be a, what they call a certified peer specialist parent. So it's called a CPSP. She got certification to CPSP and we hi I hired her. Bill, I don't even know if I've ever told you this story. I, I know we might be running a little short on time, but I do well, want to share. Time, we're I, recording. Okay. Uh, so I, I really do want to share this story with you just to, to share where we're coming from at Viewpoint Health and our heart and passion around peers. This particular mom was with me. And I told you I was started in 2003, so so you're gonna have to go way back. This was 2006. Now I know peer, I know peer and peer recovery has been been moving for a little bit now, but but y'all, this was still 2006. That's a long time ago. So she was a parent of one of our one of our uh, kids that we were working with, and uh, all of a sudden, I was sitting next to her, and the principal of the school, I won't tell you which school it was, but the principal of the school, the lead social worker, and the counselor wanted to talk to me privately without her. We went in the back office. I didn't know at this time it was about her, but I just said, oh, I thought maybe talking, you know, billing or something like that. So she's waiting out there. They're talking to me and they said, Chad, uh, we don't like how she's talking. God's honest truth, y'all. She, They said, we don't like how she's talking. One of the folks says she's advocating too much. And I said, that's mm -hmm. her son. They literally said, she's advocating too much for this. We want to do it this way in the school. I said, that's her son. I stopped the conversation and I said, you know what I'm going to do? Well, they said, what? They all leaned over like, I, like I'm going to give some big revelation. I said, you know what I'm going to do? I think I'm going to hire her. And their mouths opened up and like, are you kidding me? We just told you we think she's pushing it too far. Now you're going to come at us and say you're going to hire her. My supervisor at that point, you guys all know him. My supervisor at that point was Mr. Frank Berry, who is now the commissioner at DCA. Frank pulled me aside and said, Chad, I just got a phone call from the school. Said you're gonna hire this parent. I said, Yeah, I want to hire. We, we, she's she needs to become a parent peer. And Frank has a true passion for peers, a true yes. belief. He looked right at me and says, I trust you. You do what you need to do. We hired her. She worked for she worked for us for almost six years. And yes. then went out. And then what she did is she went out and started her own organization called a family support organization. She started her own. So um Bill, I tell you that story to let you know, look, yeah, we bring people on. Yes, folks that, uh, that even have been uh, been served by us that we're partnering with, we've brought people on. But um, I share that story because I, I want that to reiterate the passion that we do have at Viewpoint Help, that we're going we're gonna to support in all our arenas, our peers, and especially getting them involved in engagement up front. Yes. Wow, that is super, man. And, you know, when you cut your teeth on those kind of situations 
And, and, you know, I fondly remember Frank when he used to come to Savannah. I remember one time, Frank, when he was the commissioner, he came to Savannah and he asked me to go out to lunch. And my CEO said, what? You know, and, and I don't know, maybe they thought I was an undercover informant or whatever. But anyway, um, <laughs> you know, I remember when he came to visit our program and our people had made a, a Christian rap song and they made it and they presented it to him. You know, and he told me, he said, well, when I ride out, they told him, when you ride out, we need you to, to bump this, right? Anyway, and, and him and I were getting ready to do a presentation a, late, a couple of years later. And when me and him was standing there, he started singing the song. <laughs> no, you know what awesome. I'm saying? Yeah, so, that's and, awesome. and, and that's kind of what I mean when our voice ends up inside people. Yeah. That, that's, that's what I'm talking about. When, when our dreams and our visions and our hopes and our voices end up inside the people that are either up or down, it's a win-win. We would like to take a moment to acknowledge some of our partners in recovery. We are appreciative partners of the Georgia Mental Health Consumer Network and would like to acknowledge them for providing peers with mental health resources and opportunities to become certified peer specialists in specific domains of their recovery. You can visit their website by going to www.gmhcn.org. We are also proud to be in partnership with the Georgia Council on Substance Abuse. They provide multiple recovery resources in the CARES Support Warm Line. You can visit their website by going to gasubstanceabuse.org. Anyway, with that being said, Tanisha, do you have any questions for the big dogs, man, before we jump down off the porch? Yeah, I did. Um, I did actually have a question because of all of the great things I'm hearing, um, Chad and Pedge, I just want to really thank you all for everything that you all are doing in the community to make these changes. And I heard about some of the things that you're doing as far as the co-responding, sending someone out there on the scene, and then also you kind of meeting people where they're at. And I'm just wondering, because I know the ultimate goal for all of us is to kind of redesign how people flow through the, the system, you know? And so trying to meet them at the front line, like you said, where all the action takes place and trying to get out there on the scene to try to provide that support right there. I'm just wondering, is there a way that we connect them, you know, connect them into recovery? Because I know for me, it's like somebody could give me resources, somebody could I'm not going to say bail me out, but they could kind of help me out of a situation or divert me where I'm not going to jail. But until I went through that internal process, you know, with recovery and being a part of, a, of this community, you know, that internal change is what changed me. And I feel like I, I'm changed forever. So I don't have to worry about going back. So I'm just wondering, like, is there any type of warm handoff, like how the accountability court has the warm handoff to the stepping up initiative to kind of lead us down that road to recovery? Do you all have anything or do you all see anything like that in, in your system and how you're connecting, you know, the people that you serve to the recovery community right here in Rockdale? Yeah, I think that. Yeah, thank and thank you for telling part of your story there and being transparent in that, because that, that was awesome. That's great to hear. I think. For us, it really does start of meeting people where they're at. So everybody's path to recovery is going to be different. So we do, uh, not only as you mentioned, yeah, you guys, I know you do some more handoffs with the accountability courts going into stepping up and other types of initiatives, which is true. We do that. But we also, um, if that road to recovery involves um, individuals with challenges around substances, uh, we have a very rich and robust substance abuse programming, but we pair up all the time to faith-based community. Uh, we pair up to celebrate recovery all the time. And we are a big believer in the faith-based uh, space and faith-based community. Obviously, I'm, y'all, y'all may not know that. Bill, you may not even know this. I'm an ordained minister, too. Ah! So, yeah. I'm <laughs> the car. Okay, I'm the car. I'm the car. He's like, I got I'm it. I'm the car. Yeah. Hey, I've only, and I've, only done, I've only officiated one wedding, and, and my claim to fame is they're still married. <laughs> so, so, so I'm batting a thousand with one, with one wedding. But uh, yeah, so we 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 believe in that. Uh, so that that is a great. Tanisha, to use your word of a warm handoff. That's a great handoff there. Uh, we talked about the courts. 
we do we do that transitional piece even through our programming. So we have a lot of things that are really intense, like our certain community treatment. But then we also collaborate, work together on any types of things that will be a less restrictive or a less involved level of service moving down. The best way, though, on someone's road to recovery, I'm going to tell you, and this is going to sound odd coming from somebody who's vice president of behavioral health company, is not all the time behavioral health. I'll just be honest with you. That's right. If you really want to help somebody say, look, I'm going to get in recovery and I'm going to move down and be be that member of society that I've always dreamed of myself. It starts with housing, job, real connections to people. And I don't mean connection like connection to a counselor, but connections to people. And it may be in a church or maybe in a, a type of community center. So we all of our treatment and everything that we build and a lot of the program we build is really built around that. For We follow the housing first model. So make sure people are housed. Hey, are people gainfully employed or can they work? Even if they can't work, we have a lot of people that volunteer. Can they volunteer? Um, just to be, just to give back in a sense. And then how do you have those personal connections to people outside of obviously programming, but how do you have those connections? Those really are, are key. Uh, Tanisha, we do that even in our space with the young adults. Um, Bill, you mentioned earlier, you were talking about folks uh, that may be uh, suicidal and they have those thoughts. We do a lot of counseling around that. We have a lot of processes that are around that. We do a lot of assessments around that space. But if you go to, especially our young people that use a lot of mobile devices, if you go on their devices, we also give them a lot of apps where they can connect with other people. Uh, We do a lot of app-based work where they connect to other people that can talk. And that is a peer network, even though it might not be a Georgia CPS, but that's still a peer network. So uh, we do a lot of that work in that space to get people connected, gainfully employed or volunteering housing, if you do all those kinds of things, you're really going to support recovery. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you, Chad, for saying that. So with that being said, I guess I want to just ask you guys one more question. And once again, I want to shout out the Hurricane Maine and the His Hop Nation out there for creating those platforms. Shout out to Cat 10 Entertainment. That is Hurricane Maine's own station. Shout out to the Britain Grace, the RCO. That's big, man. That's big. This this is big. This is big stuff. Shout out to Commissioner Doreen Williams and the Stepping Up Initiative. Shout out to our judges, Judge Bill, Judge Mumford, Judge Cuthbert over there, uh, Judge Atten, all those, all these people that are wrapping their arms around us, all those people that are welcoming us into their hearts, into this community. We want to shout out to all those people. And with that being said, I, w- I want to just ask you guys one more question, and then I'm going to let you go, man. If you had any message for the people out there in Radio Land, because they can hear you. There are people all across the nation that can hear your voice right now. Pez, what is your message that you have for the people? Your message for the people out there in Radio Land. I would say one thing that that's recently come up a lot it has to do with that stigma of mental illness. And so if there was one thing right now in my heart that I would want everybody to know, is that having or being diagnosed or however you want to call it with the mental illness, it's not the end of the world. It's not a big deal. It's just like anything else that needs work, whether it is a cold, whether it is a diabetes or something severe like a cancer, it just needs help. It need, you, need, you need to work on it, just like we need to work on anything else in our lives. So I really think uh, right now, that would be the message that I would give to folks is, don't, don't worry. Don't freak out. Don't worry about it. Don't, you know, it's not the end of the world. Let's just handle it together. Yes. Wow. Thank you so much. Paige, man, you might, might've missed your calling, but anyway, uh, <laughs> Chad, Chad, man, what, what message do you have for the people out there in radio land? Well, I think, I think Paige hit it on the head when it comes to individuals that are seeking out service, need service, want to partner with us for service. He hit that on the head right here. Don't worry. Look, have hope, grab hope. It's out there. And don't worry about the the stigma attached. Mental health is physical health. I mean, it's all connected. I mean, he hit that on the head. Now I do have a message for the providers and for the providers that are listening. We tell people all the time, look, keep your eye on the prize. There's an old spiritual song that goes, keep your eye on the prize. Anything outside of that is noise. You're going to hear a lot of this, and the, and the governor said this, and this person changed this policy. This At the end of the day, the prize is people thriving in their community. That's You just keep your eye on that. Are, are policies going to change? Yes. Are funding streams going to change? Yes. Are things going to uh, get in your way and try to get in your way? Hey, man, it's going to hit you all sides all the time. But just keep your eye on the prize that you are here as a provider 
to partner with people to help them thrive in their community. That would be my one message to the providers. Wow, I want to thank you so much for saying that. And, and you know, Tanisha, what message do you have for the people out there in Radio Land? I know we got a lot of different access points. I know the latest newsletter just came out. I know the commissioner's corner is bumping. I know we're on a lot of platforms to talk to the people, Tanisha. So my message would be that the reason why we do this, you know, I just want to let everyone know that we do this to keep you connected to partners in our community, to the resources you need. You hear these guys. And although you, you see organizations, you see companies, there are people like Chad and Pej behind them with hearts, you know, who have a passion for people, who have a calling for people. So I just really want everyone else out there who have ever been in a situation like me who needed those resources to know that there are people out there who really want to help you and to tap into those resources. That's why we continuously do this every week to bring you resources and connections so that you can get that. And then speaking of resources and connections, uh, you can reach out to us if you ever, you know, have any questions on resources. If you need those connections sent directly to you, you can hear them always on our podcast, which is Grit and Grace, The Recovery Hour. And that is on Breaker. It's on Google Podcasts. It's on Anchor. It is on, now it's on iTunes. It's on Spotify. And we also have a YouTube channel. We have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under Grit and Grace RCO. So you all can connect to us on all of those. We also have a monthly newsletter that comes out to majority of the Rockdale community and the uh, nonprofits and all of our stakeholders and everything. But if you would like to sign up for that newsletter, you could get access to that on rockdalesteppingup.com. So feel free to join us on any of those platforms. Wow. (laughs) You guys are sharp, man. Y'all make this easy for me, man. Anyway, with that being said, once again, I want to thank everybody out there on Radio Land. Remember, Grit and Grace, the recovery hour, it comes to you every Wednesday from 12 to 1. And it was so good. They asked us to do it again. So you can also get it on Thursday from 1 to 2. Yeah, I want to just take a moment to thank you guys. Uh, and, and I want to thank you for bringing that clinical experience. I want to thank you for bringing all that administrative experience. But what I want to thank you for more. I want to thank you for bringing your heart. I want to thank you for bringing your truth. I want to thank you for bringing your courage and your transparency. That is what I respect about you the most. I learned so much. So Chad, I, I, I knew you were a great guy. I knew you were a salesman. I didn't know you were a preacher. So I just want you to know, <laughs> I'll, buy, I'll buy the car. I'll buy the car. <laughs> With that being said, man, thanks guys for your time. There's no way that we can thank you enough. Thank you for the information. And Pez, thank you for the revelation. We failed it. We failed it, Pez. I'm telling you. And I believe in the Lakers. I don't care. But anyway, with that being said, that makes us all the kings of the world. Anyway, with that being said, everybody out there in Radio Land, I hope you enjoy this one. And we look forward to the next one. See you guys soon. Thank y'all so much. All right, y'all. Appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in and feeding your recovery with another episode of the Grit and Grace Recovery Hour. Remember that you can stay connected with us by following us on Facebook and Instagram at Grit and Grace RCO or just keep coming back every Wednesday at 12 noon. Until then, and as always, cherish the chips you hold.